You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So I was able to get that bonus episode out yesterday, finally, and, and you may have already seen it in the Facebook group. But uh, give it a listen and let me know what you think. Again, this was meant to be my reward for all the uh, reviews. So if you liked it or didn't, just let me know so I can kind of tweak it a little bit. I've also been thinking about some other stuff to do, and I thought, you know what would be cool is to just do some kind of giveaway. And one of the thoughts I had was, ooh, I should give away some Packernet merch. And then I was like, wait a minute, I don't have any. So something else to think about in the keep in the back of your mind. Even if you would never have any interest in buying any, if I were to throw something at you, what would you want it to look like? You know, that kind of thing. Because uh, as much as that could be kind of cool, I am the least creative kind of person in the history of the world. I think the left side of my brain ate the right side of my brain. I'm not really sure. Thinking about getting a scan to see what's going on up there, but yeah, it's just it's just off. It doesn't work. Like there, there's a one spot on the right side for like music, that's pretty pronounced. But anything that involves art or creativity, unless I'm being creative with like an Excel spreadsheet or numbers, I got nothing, man. So just just keep that in mind for any of you uh, folks who have. A little bit more going on on that side of your brain. Let me know if you have any thoughts over there. Because I have never had a single thought on that part of my brain. Otherwise, um, NFLBigBoard.com, as we're rounding out the... Uh, rounding out, that's not the thing. As we're encroaching... It, it, the, the draft's coming up, so so check out NFLBigBoard.com. See what I mean? That must have been a right brain thing, trying to get creative with it. Like, ooh, say something kind of cool. No, just say the right words. Because otherwise, I get lost in the forest, man. My left brain's all like, hey, can you hold down the fort for literally like one word? I got to go do something. And everything just collapses. One word. That's how quick it happens. But anyways, I'm already starting to focus on 2020. Uh, I got some really cool ideas for how to do it. But there are some things that are outside of my realm of understanding. In other words, I've got all the math figured out. I've got all these things figured out in terms of the direction I want to go, but it is a massive update, and I'm going to need some help from people who understand scouting. And I don't mean casually, like you do it like I do it, where you kind of watch it and you're like, ooh, this guy's good, and you, you understand terminology, like you know what a slant route is. That's cool. I need a little bit more than that. So we've got a pretty big audience. I figured I'd start fishing a little bit. Uh, I really just want to pick your brain and uh, get your thoughts on a few different things, because I need a little bit of direction. Also, John the Finance Dude, sorry I never got back to you, but um, I'm probably going to have to hit you up with some some thoughts and questions and whatnot. All right, anyways, that's enough of me begging for things. Maybe, I don't know. But uh, today I do have a question that is going to lead me to a couple different things, including the draft, as well as uh, taking a look for the first time at uh, 2020 and the salary cap situation, at least as best as I can try to navigate it because i've heard some things about oh man we're in cap trouble i don't know we'll take a look hey u.s cellular customers i've got good news so don't hit skip forward just yet i'm talking about their special customer event us days what's us days it means exclusive offers just for their customers just to say thanks like up to twelve hundred dollars to upgrade to any new phone no i didn't just misread that that's up to twelve hundred dollars off they must really like you 
Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. All right, so let's jump into the question just so you get a little bit of a, a background context. So here's what it says. It says, hey, it's Taylor from Arkansas. My question is about the draft. In terms of a lot of mock drafts, I've seen Ed Oliver and Devin Bush and Jonah Williams could possibly all be there at 12. Which of these three do, the, um, do you think the Packers will take? Which would you prefer they take? Me personally, I'm struggling with passing on Williams and Balaga's contract next year. So there's kind of three different things here. One, it, well, four. If these three guys are available, who do you think the Packers will take? Uh, if these three are available, who do you want them to take? Which actually is a really, really tough question. For me, anyways. I, You know, whatever. Then there's the thought of maybe we keep Williams and Balaga. And I've really, really been thinking a lot about Brian Balaga. I know half of Packer Nation didn't even want Balaga this year, which, you know, he's one of those guys everybody wants to get rid of. I don't really know why. But I've been thinking a lot about, man, it might really be necessary to keep him unless we satisfy the need but you know whatever we'll, we'll get there and then fourth is what's going on with the salary cap next year not that cap is necessarily the biggest thing but I mean if you think about it paying a right tackle when he's kind of got you cornered in other words if we're in a situation where we just don't have a right tackle and we're trying to negotiate to keep Brian Balaga on the team which is probably going to come I mean geez that see mm-hmm this is kind of the problem right because it's it's one of those things where if we don't draft a tackle this year who pans out, we almost have to negotiate with Brian Balaga, assuming we're not going to have one. Because we don't know if we're going to get anyone in free agency, and we don't know if we're going to get anyone in the draft. And the longer we wait, the more leverage Balaga has to just say, mm, I think I want lots of money. In fact, I want all the money, and I'd like it to be a little bit more long-term, even though I'm old and injury-prone. And the Packers just won't do it, and then we'll lose them, and then we won't have a tackle. So I guess also explore that, and I think that makes four things, and we'll see where we're at at that point. So as of right now, if we were to look at this, Ed Oliver, Devin Bush, Jonah Williams are all there at 12. Now, there's the conventional wisdom in terms of best player available that it's Ed Oliver, then Jonah Williams, then Devin Bush. Now, Jonah's been falling, and Devin Bush has been rising, but I, in my opinion, I don't see that Devin Bush has surpassed Jonah Williams. There's also the question of, I mean, if, if I really wanted to play it safe, I would just say of the three, the Packers would take Ed Oliver just because I don't know if Devin Bush or Jonah Williams are, are a value at 12, period. There's also the question of Jonah Williams is a 2020 player, Devin Bush is a linebacker, Ed Oliver is an interior pass rusher. So the value of the position, the value of the player, Ed Oliver is a better player, period. And, you know, theoretically, I'm not going to speak super authoritatively on that. I would believe that. I think most people believe that. It really feels like Ed Oliver would be the correct decision for me to make as well as the team to make. But something about it just isn't quite, I don't know. There's something about Ed Oliver that just feels like the Packers aren't going to do it. And I'm not exactly sure if I can put my finger on what it is. Um, he's undersized. There was a massive lack of production. He's seen as more of a 4-3 defensive tackle as opposed to a 3-4 defensive end because I don't know that he can two-gap whatsoever, and you have to be able to do that if you're going to play in a 3-4 system. So in a way, it's almost inverse if I just kind of go with, I don't, I don't know if you want to call it gut or intuition or just thinking things through. It almost feels like you kind of flip that on its head, which is what makes it difficult. Jonah feels like the next natural step, right? It's the more important position than Devin Bush, and... Uh, 
you know, supposedly higher up on most boards at this point, although I'm sure some people have flipped it because, again, Jonah's falling, Devin's rising. And I'm assuming you meant Devin Bush and not Devin White, but we'll say they're interchangeable anyways because some people think White or Bush is better than White anyways. So one of those two linebackers, whatever. But Jonah Williams is seen as better and at a more important position than linebacker. But again, Jonah Williams would be taking a tackle um, really, really high. And this is the other thing. At 12, if you're going to make a move, ideally you want to get studs. The only one here that I think could potentially be a or I, I don't know. Any one of them can be a stud, but I'm talking about those guys that on draft day you're looking at going, this guy is just different. Ed Oliver is that guy that people look at and go, this guy can be really special. right? Sort of like Derwin last year. There was one guy available when the Packers are on the board that was like, this guy is, is a little bit of a freak. I'm, I, look, I, th- I think if you're putting me on the spot, and I think a lot of people would probably disagree with this, and I don't like it at 12. But I just feel like between the two, and I'm, I'm actually just going to remove Jonah from this. I think if you factor in the, the relative athletic score, I really think Devin Bush would be a serious consideration here. Brian Gutekunst was in person at the Michigan Pro Day. He was there for a reason. He wanted to get eyes on somebody. Now, maybe, you know, a lot of times he'll go to, like, the big programs. He'll go to Alabama because there's a lot of guys to scout. So maybe he just wanted to see multiple guys. But there's a good chance he wanted to see somebody. Who would that be? dance party you so crazy but you look at the need at linebacker you look at Gutekunst going to Michigan you look at the relative athletic score of a guy like Devin Bush I I just have a hunch that the Packers really 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 like him and maybe I'm wrong maybe it's Rashawn Gary I don't know but it I don't know I just I really have a hunch and maybe they're they're hoping he gets to 30 this is that's the one part of your question that that bothers me because I just I have a hunch they really like Devin Bush. I don't know if they want Ed Oliver. I don't know if they like Jonah Williams. The problem I have is you're asking me about 12. I don't really like taking Devin Bush at 12. Um I mean just me personally I not the biggest Devin Bush fan. I like him. I like Devin White more, but again, my ability to scout linebacker is limited by my inability to recognize anything other than brutes at the position. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like a fast brute as much as anybody, but, you know, you can't put Devin White next to Devin Bush and and not see why I would like Devin White. Guy's basically a really fast Mack truck, so. So, yeah, that's that's the part of your question that bothers me is the at 12. I think maybe I'm going to kind of cheat at this question and say I think ideally if these are the three guys that are available, maybe the Packers look to move back a little bit and hope to retain Devin Bush. I mean, if you look at it, if Devin Bush is still there, that means Cincinnati didn't take him. Maybe Cincinnati took Devin White. Detroit didn't take him. That's a team that would definitely need him. Miami could, but they need a little bit of everything. Um, If Ed Oliver is there at 14, he's definitely gone to Atlanta. It's kind of tough to say who would or wouldn't because in my mind, it's like, oh, not a lot of people are going to take Devin Bush because I don't see him that high. But we're assuming the Packers are interested at 12, which means there are other teams that could be interested. So who exactly do we trade back with? I don't really know. Maybe, you know, the the Giants traded with the Cleveland Browns for pick 17. Maybe the Giants want to move up a little bit to pick 12 to snag a quarterback. You know, leapfrog Miami to make sure they can get their guy before Miami takes a quarterback. We slide back to 17. Hope that Devin Bush is still there and take him at 17. I, I, I really feel like that's a, a... It maybe doesn't seem like that big of a difference, but just for me personally, 17 feels a lot more comfortable for Devin Bush. Even that, I'm a little wary. Again... 30 is much better for me, but I do feel a lot more comfortable, especially if we're getting a little bit more value. And actually, if we trade back as far as like 19 or 20, we could probably get a second round pick for it. The only reason that would be tough with the Giants is because the Giants pick so high in pick 
in in round two. So getting the Giants second round pick probably isn't going to happen. And they don't have a third round pick. So going back to 19 with Tennessee would probably be a good spot. We would get their pick 51 and hope he's still there at 19. Something like that. And the other good thing about that is at pick 20, Pittsburgh is a team that would absolutely love to have Devin Bush. He's moxed to Pittsburgh all the time. So you drop to 19, you take Devin Bush one pick before he's pretty much guaranteed to go at 20 to Pittsburgh, and you're set up, you're good to go. So that would be my thought process. Obviously no reason to believe he's absolutely going to be there, and if you really, 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 really like the guy, I don't know why you would chance it, unless you have a bunch of other guys that you like kind of almost as well. But I think that would be, and again, I'm, I'm cheating kind of with this question, but I'm just uncomfortable. And I, I, I don't know, I have a hard time with those three for those reasons. Jonah kind of feels like the right move if we assume Jonah can be that guy. Again, I, I like the idea of him playing guard. You know, if we can get him to play this year at guard, next year at tackle, I think that's a great investment. So I, I, I guess let's move on to the next part of your question. That might be my pick. Now, it's, it's entirely contingent on the Packers or whoever believing that these are like the top guys. And, and basically what we're saying is Ed Oliver will be the interior pass rusher on defense. Well, I guess that's kind of tough because if we're, if we're assuming they're all going to be equally talented, then you almost have to take Ed Oliver. But Jonah Williams would be tough to, to pass on because, again, if, if we believe that he can come in and play guard, I think that's fantastic. You know, Maybe we put Billy Turner at left guard, we put Jonah Williams at right guard, or vice versa, whatever. But we have two upgrades at guard this year, maybe. Again, I'm not the biggest Lane Taylor fan. He's very possibly likely better than Billy Turner, but I, I I would like to see Billy Turner, who's a more athletic guy, who's played pretty much every position other than center, get the opportunity to play on the left side of the line. Whatever. I, I guess it's going to be McCray, Turner, Taylor, and uh, Jonah Williams competing for two guard spots. Ideally, we have two upgrades. But again, for this spot, if Jonah Williams is going to be a an upgrade, a big upgrade at guard this year, and then going to be the right tackle of our future going forward, I, I I think that's my pick. I think I'm taking Jonah Williams there. Because with one pick, we're satisfying a big need this year and maybe our biggest need next year. And I think that's kind of huge. So I guess to summarize, I get a really weird gut feeling that if, if the Packers are on the board and you told me they're p- take, going to take one of those three, as much as I have a hard time believing the Packers are going to take a linebacker at 12, I'm probably going to lead, uh, lean toward Devin Bush. And if you're asking me, again, not based on my, you know, my grades, because I don't have grades on any of these guys, if we're just kind of making them all even, my pick is going to be Jonah Williams. And I guess I'm taking more of the conservative approach. If I wanted to be aggressive, you just take Ed Oliver and say, oh, we're going to have this crazy freakish pass rush. We're going to just dominate. And that's great if your goal is to win this year and never again. But I just, that's not how my brain works. That's not how I operate. I know it's not as exciting right now, but I mean, we got to set ourselves up for success for quite a while. And in reality, a right tackle is just about as important as a left tackle in the NFL. Because when we're talking about tackle, we're just talking about the weakest link. Because so what if you have David Bakhtiari, if you have somebody like Spriggs or worse at right tackle? Because what's going to happen? Khalil Mack is just going to go from one side of the line to the other side of the line, and he's just going to dominate your right tackle. So how, what benefit is it to have Bakhtiari over there blocking up somebody that has no ability to rush the passer when Khalil Mack is getting a sack once every four snaps against some nobody at right tackle? We're done. We're doomed. It's over. 
every team that has a, a decent pass rusher is going to destroy Aaron Rodgers, and we're not going to be able to do anything because we don't have anyone on the right side of the line. And every single play, we're going to have to dedicate an extra player, like a tight end or a running back, to help block on that side, and that's just a waste of a position. So again, I you know if Jonah Williams isn't your guy, fine. Then we're not taking Jonah Williams, and I, I tend to think maybe he's not the Packers guy. And again, referring back to the relative athletic score that the Packers seem to be obsessed with, Jonah Williams was not very good. Not that there are very many elite offensive tackles in this draft class, but again, if the Packers are going to invest a 12, and we're talking about our highest pick, are they going to invest it in a guy that did poorly in his relative athletic score? I really doubt that. So it is a, it, it's a tough question, but that's what I'm going to settle with. Packers take Devin Bush. Pack Daddy takes Jonah Williams. Again, not because I think he's the greatest guy in the world, but I take the right guard slash tackle guy. If that's a different name person, then fine, we'll take that guy. But that's just where my head's at. All right, let's attempt to look at next year because it's pretty complicated. So first of all, on its face, if we look at this, if you were to just go to over the cap and look at the Packers, um, it says we have a cap space of about $40 million. It was like 70-something, but with Zadarius and all these guys added on, we're at about 40. Now, this is based on 2019 cap space. That's sort of the difference. The um, total salary cap this year was $188 million. Now, if you look, uh, I just kind of threw this together. If you look at over the last five years, on average, the salary cap has increased about a little over 7% every year. If that trend continues then we would be over $200 million. It would be about $201 million, which is a $13 million cap increase, meaning they're just going to slap $13 additional million dollars on here, putting us at about $42 million. Actually, about 43 because we're right at about 40 39.938958. I'm sorry, we're at 40 so that'll put us at 53 I can do math, I promise you. So $53 million if everything just stays kind of about the same. Now, here's something else to keep in mind, and I've kind of alluded to this in the past. But with legalized sports gambling coming into the NFL, that's going to add just a disgusting amount of revenue coming into the NFL. Uh, Some people are saying it's going to be a bigger impact than back in 98 when the television deals came around. Now, to give you an idea of what that looked like, and it's funny because I mentioned it when I did a few episodes back, I was talking about Brett Favre and, oh man, look how much of the salary cap he took up, and then it dropped down to nothing. I was like, that seems like a really big increase. Well, it was. That was the year the television deals took over. So to give you an idea, from 1996 to 1997, actually, that's kind of a, a bad example. So from 94 to 95, it went up $3 million. From 95 to 96, it went up $3 million. From 96 to 97, it only went up about a little less than $1 million. And then from 97 to 98, it went up uh, 11, almost $11 million. Again, on average, over the last five years at least, it, it's varied throughout the years, but over the last five years, it's about a 7% increase. This was a 26.38% increase. 26%. To give you an idea of what that would look like in today's dollars, that would be like if next year there was a 48, almost 49% increase. I'm sorry, $49 million additional. So instead of $40 million, it would be like if we just had almost $90 million in cap space just in one year. That was the effect that that had. Now, this is a little bit different because the money is going to kind of trickle in as opposed to just being slapped on the table because all it really did was allow states to make it legal if they so choose. So there's no guarantee that all 50 states are going to do it. And if they do it, it's going to be one state at a time. Um, At this particular point in time, there are eight states 
that have uh, legalized sports betting. Two of them, New York and Arkansas, have recently passed uh, bills. In other words, I'm assuming that means they're going to be. Here's the crazy thing, though. Almost every single state in the country has introduced a bill that hasn't passed yet. Only 12 states in the entire country have not even introduced a bill yet. Wisconsin is one of those states. But, I mean, you, you just look at it as a map, and you've got a couple spots where it's passed. You've got two little spots where it's about to pass. But you'd look at this entire country, it's about to just flip. Now, I don't know, maybe some of these are going to get shot down. Maybe some of these are going to take several years to kind of come. I don't, I don't know how it's going to happen. Somebody had speculated it'll be about five years. But it looks like maybe five years to get the last stragglers. It looks like there's about to be a major switch about to be flipped. Could entirely be wrong about that. But again, somebody speculated that it was going to be about five years. So if we took that, and let's just say, and this isn't how you would do this appropriately, but let's just say we took that $50 million, we split it up over five years, there's a potential of an extra $10 million being added per year. Now, I don't know what the impact of this is going to be. I really don't. But the NFLPA, uh, which is the players' union, negotiates the salary caps. And all the money that goes in to the NFL, the players are entitled to a portion of that. So the NFLPA is not doing their job if they're, if they're not saying, hey, I want a piece of that money. So really it's just a matter of as sports betting comes in, and again, last it passed, what was it, or I shouldn't say it passed, it got struck down by the Supreme Court last May, so technically that money could have filtered into the NFL last year, so we should have seen a little bit of that, but we didn't as far as the increase. Uh, it was a 6.9% increase, so it was a below average uh, salary cap increase this past year. But if we can get all these states to flip, and, and I would just expect it to be a above average um, increase in the salary cap. Again, I, I don't know. This is just my understanding. I mean, I, I don't know how else it could be. If we're talking about billions more dollars being infused into the NFL because of legalized gambling and the players do get a piece of that through the salary cap, I don't know how there can't be a massive influx. And I'm sure the NFL is going to want to spread it out. But if you're going to spread it out, then that means instead of going up you know, 20 million, you got to go up at least like $30 million. So again, that's just something to keep in mind. The other cool thing about it is you look at big contracts, look at Aaron Rodgers. If I just took the salary cap and just added the 7%, the salary cap would go from next year, 201 million to 215 million to 230 million to 246 million. This does not take into account the gambling money, which we have to assume is going to be going up quite a bit. Now, I, I, I had mentioned that about 15% was in and around, I mean, that's, that's big-time money, but in terms of salary cap percentage toward a quarterback, that's kind of not super outrageous. Well, in 2019, Aaron Rodgers is going to count $26.5 million against the cap. That's not a lot. That's only 14% of the cap. Next year, in 2020, it goes from 26 to $32.6 million. That's 16.22% of the cap. It's a little higher than average. It's a lot but we're up to $201 million at that point. Then it goes from 32.6 to 33.5. His salary goes up again, but his percentage goes down to 15.58 because now we're up to $215 million. In 2022, his salary cap hit is $37 million. Now, as a fan, now I'm looking at that going, you can't sustain $37 million. That's crazy. But the salary cap this year is $188 million. By 2022, again, if we just can maintain that 7%, we're talking about $230 million in salary cap space. 
That's an extra $42 million. As a percentage, it's 16.08. Again, it's high, but it's actually less than his $32.6 million cap hit in 2020 as a percentage of that salary cap, which again, I think is actually going to be higher because if we start infusing that extra money in, it could be quite a bit higher. Then in his final year of his contract, the salary cap it is 25.5, and that's with a $246 million uh, cap hit. That's only 10% of the cap. That would be smaller than his $20 million cap hit in uh, 2018, 20.9. So last year when we paid him a little less than $21 million, his $25 million in 2023 is going to be even less than that. He's basically free in 2023. So I'm, I'm just saying all this to give you an idea of the proportionality of how massive these increases are. And, and it's exponential because we're talking about percentages. So in actual dollar amounts, it's going up more and more and more and more every year. Again, from 22 to 23, we're looking at a $16 million increase in the salary cap. We had an $11 million increase this past year. And again, I'm keeping the percentage at 7% um, the same. So it goes from 11 to 16 in just like five or six years. That's pretty massive. So the reason that I point this out is when we look at money that we pay guys, if we're going to extend Kenny Clark, a lot of times we look at it and go, oh man, we, we can't pay him that much because we don't have that much. You know, we've only got, again, a very basic look at over the cap, which, you know, kind of sad. Some people, not sad, I mean, a lot of people are going to do this, but some people that should know better don't seem to know better. They look at it and say, oh, we only have $40 million. We can't give, you know, Kenny Clark like $18 million and then keep Mike Daniels and everybody else. Well, yeah, we can. Because, first of all, we're going to have more than $40 million. We're probably going to have more than $50 million. So that's the first thing. Then the second thing is because the salary cap increases, as much as I say backloading is bad, I think you can backload so long as you try to keep it proportional to the expected increase in the salary cap. So if it goes up 7% and you're backloading the contract so that it increases about 7% every year, all you're doing is keeping it even. Now you're in maybe a little bit of trouble if the salary cap doesn't go up 7%. There's been years where it doesn't go up hardly at all. And the CBA could be kind of a problem as well. If you look at, for example... There were two really big jumps in the salary cap. One was the television deals in 1998, where it went up 26%. The other was in 2006, it went up 19.3% from $85.5 million to $102 million. That was one of the CBA years, so this was some major renegotiation. However, there was also a contract negotiation in 2011. Well, if you look at 2009, the salary cap was 123. There apparently wasn't one in 2010. I don't exactly know how that worked. But in 2011, after the negotiation took place, it was $120 million. That's a $3 million increase two, or decrease two years later. The next year in 2012, it was 120.6. That's a $600,000 increase. Then in 2013, it was $123 million. So from 2009 at 123, it didn't get back to 123 until 2013. So the CBA kind of worked in the other direction over this past negotiation. However, again, if gambling is a... Is a portion of this, I, I tend to believe, and I think most people tend to believe, after the next CBA, there's going to be more salary cap, more money for players. The players are going to be a little bit, you know, whatever. And the next CBA is in 2021. That's not very long from now. So you, you also probably have teams kind of, and, and I don't know, maybe they're not doing this because you don't know what the outcome is going to be. But if you have a pretty good idea that your salary cap is going to be increasing in 2021, and look, I, I think teams want the salary cap to stay low because they don't want to pay out more. If the salary cap goes up, that means you just have to pay more, right? As a fan, I want the, the salary cap to go up because it makes all these massive contracts like Aaron Rodgers' contract just plummet. 
not actually. I mean, he gets to keep all his money, but as far as a percentage, suddenly this this giant contract we paid out doesn't mean anything. And you got Joe Schmo in 2022 that comes rolling out, and they're paying this guy $45 million to be the, the next highest paid quarterback because that's kind of where the money's at now. And we got Aaron Rodgers for 37, and it's like we, we're paying him scraps. That becomes, you know, 11% of the contract or something crazy. But I think teams would rather keep the, the, the cap low, right, the owners, because they don't want to actually pay the physical money because to them it is real money. And, and again, every team has the same cap, so every team is it's on a level playing field. They would just rather we keep that level playing field low as opposed to raising the level playing field. But as a fan who doesn't really have to care about the money, no offense to the owners and whatnot, I mean, I know you got to keep the light bill on, and the Raiders had a hard time making payroll just this past off season. And it could, I mean, who knows? It could actually hurt some teams if they're, you know, smaller market teams. There's not how much actual cash do you have? Teams that are struggling, that don't have big markets, that don't have big fan bases, that don't make a lot of sales, that have a hard time selling tickets. You know, uh, Tampa Bay, they can't even fill up their stadium. You know, maybe that would hurt some of these guys. I don't know. But anyways, again, as I'm looking into this, I just mentioned all this because I, not only will the salary cap increase, it might increase a lot. Now, if we look at... Uh, next year, who are the guys we have to re-sign? Mike Daniels, we don't have to, but I think we will. The only reason we won't is if he really, really falls off. Now, when I say Mike Daniels didn't have a great year last year, first of all, he was hurt. But second of all, I just think the, the production wasn't necessarily there. However, as I did, I looked at the pass rushing uh, percentage. He was really high. I want to say he was, was he the highest? I don't remember, but he was he was very, very high. So as a pass rusher, even though he was very underutilized because even when he was healthy, he was in a rotation and Muhammad got more snaps than him. It was very weird. Pettin seems kind of weird that way. Like, he's got his guys. He wanted Muhammad Wilkerson in more than Mike Daniels, which I didn't appreciate very much. Uh, he didn't want Josh Jones in at all, which I can understand. I'm not mad about that, but I just thought it was very weird. Like, hey, we got this second-round pick. We're hoping he can kind of grow in his second year. It's like, no, he's not going to play. Kentrell Bryce will play. Josh Jones will sit on the bench. uh okay sure man but uh all right so Balaga we don't have to resign Tremont we don't have to resign Mason Crosby obviously I would love to have him don't really know what it's going to cost currently he's averaging about four million a year I don't know what he's going to command uh on the open market out there I suppose that's something maybe to consider the Packers could be looking at getting a kicker. But would that just send people into a tailspin or what? One year after getting a punter and a long snapper, then we draft a kicker. Not only would it drive people nuts to get another special teams guy, but the, the even the thought of getting somebody to replace Mason Crosby would just drive people insane. But they might be considering it because the it's just pretty big savings. Uh, Geronimo does not need to be re-signed. My guess is that he will, won't be re-signed. But uh, there's that. Kenny Clark absolutely will be re-signed. He better be re-signed. I want it done sooner than later. Mercedes Lewis, I do not think, will be here. Jason Spriggs, unless he can prove something this year, I don't see any reason why he'll be here. Kyler Fackrell did probably earn himself another contract. If we do bury him down the depth chart, though, I don't know that he necessarily stays with Green Bay, only because our value of Kyler Fackrell as our number three, number four guy, I, I don't know, as opposed to somebody else that might look at him as maybe their number one. But also there's a question of how productive is he going to be this year. I, I don't really know that. Um, Capri Bibbs, probably not. Dean Lowry, it's going to be a question mark. I'm assuming we're going to keep Dean Lowry, but it, it's a cost thing. Dean Lowry has been good, but not anywhere near elite. 
again, similar to Kyler Fackrell, we're going to pay him as our number, depending on who we end up drafting and whatever else goes on, our number three, our number four linebacker, I'm sorry, defensive lineman. What are we going to pay him compared to what somebody else will? And, and listen, we're, we're going to offer him what we think he's worth, and we will offer him something because he's a good football player. He's, he's uh, what is he, 26, 27? He's a young guy. So the Packers are going to try to retain him. It's just a question of whether or not Dean Lowry and his agent are going to say, you know what, that's a cool offer, but I feel like we're going to get more money in free agency. It could be one of those things if they hold out, they, end up will, they will end up getting more on the open market. But either way, that shouldn't be a huge big money deal. Uh, Danny Vitale, who cares? Malcolm Johnson, who cares? Uh, Dion Simon. I know Vitale, a lot of people are thinking he's dead. It's just one of those things where Packers Twitter, for some reason, everyone's like, ooh, Vitale, he's going to be like this. Okay, you know what? I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not just going to say, hey, fullback, therefore, you know, look what the 49ers did with a fullback, so it's going to be the same thing. That's just not how my brain works. Whatever. Best of luck to you if that's how yours works. Uh, Justin McCray, Lucas Patrick, Trevor Davis. Eh. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we, we, we do have a problem with needing bodies. So, you know, McCray, Patrick, Panky, uh, Siragusa, Anthony Coyle, right? A, a lot of interior guys are up for a contract, and you got to do something. Uh, Reggie Gilbert, I don't think will be here. Blake Martinez could be a big one. We'll see what happens in the draft. Uh, I would assume we're going to keep him either way. Uh, he... I don't know. I, I, I think the Packers really like Blake, and I think it's for good reason. I think he's a little bit undervalued by most Packers fans. I know he isn't elite like a lot of people want him to be, but I think if we end up getting a Devin Bush or something, I think he'd be a really solid number two option. And I do think the Packers are probably going to pay him more than what a lot of Packer fans want. I think several would like him to just be gone. They could care less, but I think he's going to get paid, and I think he's going to get a decent contract for being an inside linebacker. That's just a prediction. I don't really know. Uh, Kumaro, I... I I don't know if I've dropped this bomb yet or not. I'm not convinced he makes the roster this year. I know that's going to send a lot of people into crazy town, but you look at the amount of bodies that we have, you look at the fact that Kumaro had basically zero production outside of the preseason, I think Kumaro is maybe, and he didn't have a huge sample size, but he did play a decent amount at the back half of uh, 2018, and he didn't do all that much. It looked nothing like he did in the preseason. In my mind, he's maybe a Reggie Gilbert. He's a preseason and practice freak, but not a lot of that translates to the regular season. We'll see how it goes. I like Kumaro, uh, fellow Whitewater alum, but, uh, you know, that's just a hunch. I don't know if he's going to make it. There's a lot of competition. We'll see. Uh, Fatal Brown, Robert Tanyan is a maybe. Probably not a super big contract. Trey Carson, Tyler Lancaster, another one that's pretty good football player, but how much are we going to pay him? Tony Brown, Kendall Donerson, James Looney, Nico Siragusa, Will Redmond. So I'm, I'm just going through this list. There's just not a huge amount here. Man, that is my I got to go alarm. I am really. See, this is what happens. I spent a lot of time working on that salary cap stuff, and now I'm really, really behind. So it's going to be a relatively short uh, podcast, I guess. I apologize for that. But look, in summary, what, what did we say? We, we've got over $50 million in available cap space. The big signings are going to be who? I mean, off the top of my head, we got Mike Daniels. We got Kenny Clark and what? Mason Crosby and Blake Martinez. Uh, you know, if Mike Daniels were to make, let's say, $12 million a year, his current average per year is 10.2. He's 31 years old. I, I don't think $10 million is all that unreasonable, but I, I, you know, let's just say it's 12 million bucks and we keep him for two more years. And again, we, we can backload it a little bit. We don't have to pay a ton up front, although a two year contract, you can't backload that much. 
but let's just keep it even for the sake of just kind of getting a general idea where we're at. So Mike Daniels, $12 million. And then uh, Mason Crosby, what, are we give him five? So we're at $17 million. So if we had 52, we just paid Mike Daniels and our kicker, and we have $35 million in available cap space. If we gave Kenny Clark an $18 million a year contract, I'm not getting that from any kind of special source, by the way. That's just just off the top of my head. I don't really know. Aaron Donald is in the 20s. He's not an Aaron Donald. Maybe because he isn't as good of a pass rusher, he's not getting double-digit sacks. Maybe he's going to be a lot lower. Maybe he'll be in the 15-ish range, which would be awesome. But I'm just kind of saying high side in my mind is 18. I don't really know. So that would drop us to $17 million. Now, Blake Martinez is tough because I said relatively big money. And if you look at big money right now, that's about $17 million. Now, I think that's ridiculous. I don't think anybody should be getting that much money. I don't think Blake Martinez will get anywhere near that much money. I would rather look in the, I don't know, 12-ish million dollar range. In other words, a lot of money, but not crazy psycho money that a lot of teams are paying out. So if we just called it 12, and I know a lot of people are saying that's no way he's not worth that. Let's just say, remember, we're giving crazy money to Blake Martinez. In my opinion, a lot of respect to a linebacker that we want to retain. I'm calling it 12. So just with that, it leaves us with $5 million. Now, again, I don't know what the increase is going to be. I do expect the increase to be more than this. Beyond that, this is if we keep everything at the exact average. If we're paying an average of $18 million to Kenny Clark, how much of that do you think we're actually going to pay out in year one? Remember, Zadarius Smith averaged $16 million. We're paying him 7.2 this year. That's less than half. So on Kenny Clark's deal, we give him, what, nine, eight in his first year? And if we do that to just about every one of these contracts, I listed off $47 million in contracts, we might only be paying $22 million. Which again, if we're talking about a $52 million range in cap space, and you subtract 22 to 25 from that, we're, we're still looking at about $30 million. So it seems dire depending on how you tweak the numbers, and it's really impossible at this point to kind of do that. But there is a, a possibility that we pay out big contracts to Mike Daniels, to Blake Martinez, we re-sign our kicker, um, whoever else I didn't mention, Kenny Clark, whatever, gets a gigantic payday. And we're sitting at $30 bucks. Again, don't don't go out there saying, Pac Daddy said we'll have thirty million bucks next year. I have no idea what we're gonna have next year. I'm just showing you a pathway. If you increase the salary cap based on the seven percent, none of these things are guaranteed. If you re-sign guys to these numbers, I made up every single one of those numbers. I don't know what it's gonna be. I don't know if we're gonna re-sign these guys. I have, I don't know anything. And if you treat those salaries the same way you're treating guys like Zadarius Smith, where you know, partially it's because it's backloaded, partially because we're not dealing in 100% guarantees. We're basically taking half of those contracts and, and paying out your average, your, half of your average per year in the first year. Then we're talking about about $22 million, 23, 24-ish million dollars. If you take the 52, which is a made-up number, subtract the 23 or whatever, which is a made-up number, you're sitting at around $30 million, which is a made-up number. But this is a realistic scenario that I'm giving you. So I know some people are saying we're doomed in the future. I I don't see that. I don't see any reason why we have to be doomed next year. Now, to finally get to your question, if we have $30 million on the books and we do not have a right tackle, am I willing to give money to Brian Balaga? Am I willing to give him a one- or two-year deal? Yes, I am. And I don't think he's going to command that much money. I know he's a right tackle. I know right tackle is valuable. But you, I mean, he's, he's one of those guys. I don't see him as being valued that much. We're talking about a, a guy that's in his 30s very injury prone. I I think if he decided he's going to test the market, I don't think there's going to be that much out there. 
I mean, I, I, I tend to think if we threw $10 bucks at him, which maybe that's high, I don't know, $10 million, I think he stays, especially if it's a multi-year contract, which I don't know if I want to give him a multi-year. Again, this is why I would like to draft a tackle in this year's class, because then we don't have to worry about this at all. If we don't get a tackle in this draft class, what do we do next year? Again, you, you want to extend guys early because then they come cheaper. If you wait until free agency and like, hey, Belaga, uh, hold up on that contract. I'm going to go see if I can find somebody else real quick. No, man, he's going to be gone. And what, you can't string him along and be like, hey, can you just not accept a contract until after the draft? That'd be great. No. So if we don't draft somebody this year, you automatically have to start the process of do we extend him? Because we don't have a tackle now. So draft a tackle. If we don't draft a tackle, am I going to throw some money at Belaga? Yes. Do I think there'll be salary cap money for that? Yes, I do. All right. So there you go. That's where we're at. I'm going to leave it there today. Special thank you to Taylor from Arkansas for providing this entire uh, episode (laughs) full of content. But uh, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.